Lord, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for the opportunity to open your word. We ask for your guidance and leading as we study, and we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Psalm 55. To the chief musician on Neganoth, Mishnel, a psalm of David. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself from my supplication. Attend unto me and hear me. I mourn in my complaint and make a noise. Because of the voice of my of the enemy, because of the opposition of the wicked, for they cast iniquity upon me, and in wrath they, do, they hate me. My heart is sore pained within me, and the terrors of death are fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me, and, and horror hath overwhelmed me. And I say, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then would I fly away and be at rest. Lo, then would I wander far off and remain in the wilderness, Selah. I would hasten my escape from the windy storms and tempest. Destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues, for I have seen violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go about upon the walls thereof. Mischief also and sorrow are in the midst thereof. Wickedness is in the midst thereof. Deceit and guile depart not from her streets. For it was not an enemy that reproached me, then could I have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from him. But it was you, O man, O man, mine equal, my guide, my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked into the house of the Lord in company. Let death seize upon them and let them go down quickly into hell, for wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and noon will I pray, and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. He has delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many with me. God shall hear and afflict them, even he that abideth out, abideth of old, Selah, because they have no changes before they feared not God. He has put forth his hand against such as be at peace with him. He has broken his covenant. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet were they drawn swords. Cast the, your burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall suffer the righteousness. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. But you, O God, shall bring them down into the pit of destruction. Bloody and deceitful men shall not live out half their days but I will trust in you. All right. Another one of these prayers that David is doing some complaining about in the Psalms. So let's, let's look at this. To the chief musician on Neganoth, which they believe means a stringed instrument, a mischia or a psalm of contemplation, a psalm of David. So it, gives, it says, Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself from my supplication. And David often, he says, give ear, and he's literally saying, hear and listen to, to answer, okay, or to obey. It's almost an order that he's given, and God, you have to listen. And have we ever been in a place where we come to God and we go, God, you just have to listen. I just can't, I can't get by without you hearing me. And you usually say that when we feel he's not listening and everything is pressing down on us, and we'll come, God, you've got to hear me, God. And sometimes it's just a deep, heart, heartfelt cry. God, I just need you to hear me today. And almost, almost a command, God, hear me. And this is what David's doing here. Hear my prayer, give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself from my supplication. 
David had many times when he felt God was not around him. And that's not surprising. Me too. <laughs> yeah, it's not surprising. I mean, he was being chased all over Israel by Saul to kill him. He's, he's, he thinks he's got peace, and the next thing Saul's throwing a spear at him to try to kill him in the, as he's playing music. Uh, yeah. you know, he's, he's got all these problems, and there's probably a lot of times when he literally thought God was hiding and not, not paying any attention to him. And we all have been there. At some point in our life, we probably all have been there where God, are you even, are you, do you care and are you listening? And we may or may not say it, but we feel it in our heart at times. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it says, attend unto me and hear me. I mourn is actually is my restlessness in my complaint and make, I'm, I'm restless in my complaint and I make noise or he's murmuring he's just he's just uh, making groans and, and and murmurs and he says attend unto me hear me you know i'm restless in my complaint hopefully at the times there's been those times when you may be restless in your complaint where you're just god i need you to answer i need you to listen i need the answer and god is not opposed to that he is not opposed to our coming to him and say god listen have you ever had a, a child come up to you and, and say, you know, I need to talk to you? You know, and maybe they'll even grab your face and say, pay attention and listen. I'm going to say something. I've even looked at children and say, will you listen? Oh, I don't but, say that to children. Sometimes I said that to adults. You're not listening to me. Yeah. You just That's made focused. me feel 100% better because the Lord <laughs> shot something in on me right there. You can't get adults to listen. What makes you think you can get those poor little babies to sit there and listen every Sunday? And a lot of times it's very hard to get people to listen, and especially if they're distracted and doing something else. She distracted them this morning. Can you believe they were excited to see her? <laughs> yes, that's why they were just. That was, I I pay you a compliment. But, but it, but it is true. I mean, when whenever Lynn's wanting to talk to me and I'm watching TV, I'll pause. You know, watching a movie or thing, I'll pause it or mute it because otherwise I won't be hearing what she says. Where you do when I call? <laughs> uh, depends. What hour it is? Usually, usually it'll be put on pause or. Or mute. Answer her call all the <laughs> but it's important. No, but it but it's important to be able to pay attention to somebody. You know, a lot of people talk about how well they can multitask and do two things at the same time. But you know, you really can't do two. Nobody can truly do two things at one time because they're paying attention on something. Now maybe they can switch back and forth quickly and seem like they're doing, but there's still times when they are not paying attention to. The other thing, you can only pay, truly do one thing at a time. Now, some are better at switching back and forth and, and doing multiple tasks at the same time, but it is important to understand it, it takes that. Verse, 20, uh, verse 3 says, Because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they cast iniquity upon me, and in wrath they hate me. So he's saying, why does he complain? He's complaining because of his enemy the voice of his enemy. That's probably the least of his problems. The voice of his enemy should be the least part of his, 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 his uh, fear, but yet that's the first one he lists. 
because of the oppression. Now, when they're oppressing you, you need to be paying attention to them. But right now, I'm all Right now, paying attention to her. I'm not to you. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> me? <laughs> it says, then he can't, they cast iniquity on me, and their wrath, they hate me. So he's getting stronger and stronger. He's actually reversed the order of what should be oppressing him. You know, he starts out with the least, least important one, their voice. You know, I hear them in the distance. I hear them nearby. And then he works to where they're actually doing damage to him, where they're actually oppressing him. They're, they're casting iniquity upon him. They're, they're ca their hate is, is, is being cast upon them. But it's interesting. I, love, I think it's interesting that he starts with the least offensive area. How many times have we ever done the same thing where we have feared something that's not even there yet? Yeah. The, pro the problem that we have with fear is that we always tend to want to fear things that haven't happened or may or may not happen. And we tend to have somehow managed to ignore what's actually going on in our life. And so it's important for us. He says, my heart is sore pained within me. The terrors of death are falling upon me. He says his heart, his actual inner being, is sore in writhing pain is what this word means. Writhing pain that his so, so so heart is feeling. And he's terrified of death at this point in time. And we can picture David being chased around and he's being, being able to be killed at any moment. But you know, this goes to the idea of perfect love casts out all fear. Mm -hmm. If we are totally dependent upon God and he is in our life completely and we're dependent upon him, we should not have a fear. Because fear is always towards something in the future. All right? So fear presumes upon the future. It's basically saying, God, you're not in control of the future, so i got to take care of it and control it. Now, we probably wouldn't actually say that to him, but fear really is a form of idolatry. I'm worried about something that God cannot control and I'm putting myself in God's place that I have to control for the future. And this is something that we want to be careful of because God is in control. The safest place to be is where God wants you to be. And the center of his will is a safe place. And we want to be careful of thinking about the fear because uh, we can get wrapped up. We can get wrapped up in the, in the future and fearful of the future. Yeah. How am I going to pay my bills? What about, the, what about my health? What about my family? You know, all these different things that we have no control over and be fearful of. And I've said it before, you know, we have so little control over the future. Tonight I plan to drive to Kingman. Okay, after service I plan to drive to King, back home to Kingman. Will I make it to Kingman? Odds are yes. <laughs> but there's that slim chance that no, we're not going to make it for whatever reason, the car breaking down, an accident, you know, whatever it might be. So I have a plan to go to Kingman. And probably a 90, 95% chance that we will make it to Kingman in our house. Well, you know what I always do? I don't know. I always, and I believe in it so much, whenever, because I don't go to Kingman that much, but whenever I do go to Kingman, I always do a prayer. Because God just keeps safe, keep my vehicle safe, and keep the road clear. Mm -hmm. And the people in front of me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I say, keep the road safe, keep the path straight for me, and I'm like that. And then if ever 
very seldom I forget to pray and I get in there double break. But even on the road, sometimes I'll pull over and I'll pray. Like, oh, God, pray. Mm-hmm. And I think even pulling over, sometimes maybe that meant something. It you might have. Know. It might have. But but you can still do the same point that I made, even oh, yeah, though you live yeah. here in chloride. I mean, oh, yeah, you're, you're only walking, you know, you know, a couple hundred feet, you know, a couple hundred yards, and you know, no, anything can happen in that period of time. I mean, the point is, anything in the future, even though we have a plan, oh, yeah. may or may not happen. I mean, you know, even just little things like when I did my finger, it's a, it, it was a toll. And now, just in my yard, I mean, I wasn't doing anything stupid. Right? Yeah. Airplane yeah. park could fall <laughs> out of the sky. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like there's there's your friend. Maybe go through the roof of the house. And there's yeah. But, you know, I mean, and this is why we got to be careful about fear because we could, you know, if we really wanted to be fearful of the future, it's like, okay, what, are, what is everything that possibly could go wrong between here and even going to the car? <laughs> you know, so we want to be, we don't want that fear. We want to concentrate, and God wants us living in the moment that we're living in. That is one of the reasons that he gave his name is I am that I am. He is the God of now. He's, I don't know, is it okay because... To me, and I'm not like you, but to be honest, I don't know if you're nothing. And that's good. Like that to this and I don't, and I'm not saying I'm not being stupid, yeah. but I'm really, I'm figuring, you know, God says, you know, it's what happens, there's a reason for it. Yeah. And since I live alone, do I ever think about myself? I always pray and I believe that sometimes. And, and that is what I'm saying we need to be. We need to be, yeah. I wasn't too sure. I don't want to, you know, and I felt sorry because I always prayed. I mean, a lot of times I'm like, I know you're probably tired and yappy, this watch this, watch that, but I could be some, doing some stupid thing and I'll just stop something, get in my head, and I'll just, even just a little prayer. But, but it is important because we can't change the past once it's gone, so yeah. we, can't be, we can't be living in the past. And if we're always living worried about the future, we're wasting the now. And the now is a very split. You, know, you can't even measure now. It's the twinkling of an eye, and now is gone. Right. Okay. And all I have, all I have, and I have no real control over the now. But I, if I have any control over time, it's the moment that I'm living right this nanosecond is what I have control over. And I really have no control over that, because it's all God who's in control. And so we want to be careful. And David is expressing that he's, he's trembling, his fear. In verse five, goes. Fearfulness and trembling have come upon me. The horror hath overcome me. Okay, David's in a bad state on this in this psalm, uh, and who knows? It doesn't really tell us where it is, but obviously he's being chased at this point. You know, this is a psalm when he's when he's being chased, and his and his world is is in a in a bad place. And we all can probably relate to times when when it seems like everything's going wrong. And, and I've been there myself. And I remember one time asking God, I'm going, God, I know everything works together for good, but this day sure doesn't seem like it's good in any way, shape, or form. Uh, can you please explain, you know, help me get through this one because nothing seems to be going right. Uh, and God just said, just be peaceful. I mean, he had everything worked out, and he did. He had everything all worked out. And see, this is where we have to be careful. Where are we? What are we? What are we looking at? Because if we're so concentrated on the future, so concentrated on what might happen, we're losing. We're losing the moment that we are with God, and we're probably going to miss a divine appointment with God. 
And if you don't know what a divine appointment, that's when you come across that person who is just ready to be talked to about Jesus. Just the, just the thing that saves you from, from having something bad happen. You know, the opportunities. I used to love them when employees would come up and you know, ask me about God or, or when, an employee, when a customer's you know, attitude would be one that I could share with. You, know, you never know. You never know what God's got in place and for I think you. What is Thing we also want to remember when we pray God can answer in a number number of ways he can say yes to, yes to what we pray he can say wait and he can say no wait. now no is not usually the answer we want to hear when we're praying to God but no is an answer uh, and there's a country song that I used to like and you know thank God for unanswered prayers <laughs> Now some of his examples were not ones that were so you know aren't so great, but you know it did have that point that and I but no is an answer and, and the problem is we don't like the word no we don't like to hear no from God because when we're praying we want a yes and yet God says sometimes He knows what's best for us and He'll say no it's not good for you and no is an answer so whenever you hear somebody say God doesn't answer prayer the question is isn't no an answer. Or if you've ever think that God's not answering prayer, remember that no is an answer. Uh, our kids never like to hear no from us. Uh, and hopefully, most parents still have this problem of saying no before they really think about it. You know, so sometimes kids deserve to not like to hear the word no. But you know, the idea is sometimes we knew that what the kids wanted wasn't good for them. Well, we need to believe that God knows what's good and what's not good for us, and he's gonna answer accordingly. And, and give us what we, what we really, truly need. Verse 6, I said, Oh, that I had the wings of a dove, for then I would fly away and be at rest. For lo, then I would wander far off and remain in the wilderness, Selah. And basically he's saying, if I had the opportunity, I'd run as far from these problems as possible. The only problem with if you do if you ever, if you if you ever think about the problems you did try to run away from they, they either followed you or you had new new problems wherever you ended up so and you can't go back because you got to face the ones you left behind yeah. and now you can't run very fast <laughs> 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 they put. but they there are times kids today now they don't want to study with me or anything they think I'm there, there are times when running, running away from a problem may be the thing to do, but the key is to talk to God and listen to God. Usually it's best just to stay and face a problem and let God show you the victory in, that, in the area that he's allowed you to be in. Uh, but there may be times when the best thing to do is get away from it. Uh, sometimes it's just a short-term getting away from. If it's an individual you're having trouble with, then it's good to good to just get away from the problem sometimes if it's somebody who all you're going to do is argue with and you know that's all that's going to happen then you, it's better to stay away if it's somebody who's going to lead you into gossip or to sin then stay away from them uh, you know but David is saying this oh that I could just flee from my problems 
just flee, which is what he's doing anyway most of the time. He's fleeing from Saul. Because David could have gone to battle with Saul and probably defeated Saul. He was a, David was a strong warrior, but he did not want to touch God's anointed king. He, more and more he said, I will not touch God's anointed. I am not going to force myself to be king. Even though I'm anointed king, I'm not going to do it. And we know that many opportunities he's had, you know, Saul's sleeping and he snuck into camp and was able to steal Saul's, Saul's uh, spear and, and, and cut him of his garden and take his water and, and say, hey, I took this stuff. Your life was in my hands. Another time in the, in the cave where he was able to kill Saul and he came out of the cave when he was done and say, hey, I was right here. I could have killed you. you know, he wanted to show Saul he wasn't his enemy. Even though Saul was his enemy trying to kill him, he was telling Saul, I am not your enemy. I am not going to take God's steps in my hand. And this is where it's important for us to understand. Even when people are pursuing us and trying to make things, we can't treat them as an enemy because God is the one that's going to take care of them. We are to hide ourselves in God, let him be our, be our salvation. That doesn't mean stand up toe-to-toe -to -toe with them and, and not fear. Sometimes it means get away from them. And this is some things that, you know, even though the Bible is against divorce, God is not a problem with a battered spouse to run away from the other one and hide for a while because it's a dangerous place to be. And God doesn't want people to be punching bags or abuse, take abuse. He, so there's times when it is to get away from the person. Uh, well, could I just hit him and walk away and not say anything? <laughs> <laughs> I'll walk in my broom. Just use your big stick. Well, that between you and God. You talk to God and see if that's what he tells you to do. <laughs> so, but but it is but it is one of those things. I mean, it is time when at various times when it's best to run and, and retreat from the from the problem, uh, not run run away from the problem, but get to a place where God is in control and and, and set up. And there's times when it is the best to bring God into it and use. And even use people to help you get over things. Because there are those times when it's important. There are those times when people have to be brought before God. And it takes others sometimes to do it. Because sometimes we get so emotionally involved with something, there's no way we can say the right thing. There's no way we can do what needs to be done. And, and when we're at that point, then step back and, and enlist somebody else to help you to be a mediator, and God talks about using mediators, and it's important that we can do that, because it is hard. It is hard to walk in faith. It is hard to walk God's way. It is hard to live in the now, because our flesh is wanting to say we made mistakes in the past, and I'm worried about the future, because the flesh doesn't want to deal with the now, because unless it's in control, and it's not in the control very often, but how many people wallow in the past? I have met them. They're wallowing in the past where everything is bad, everything was bad, and they just wallow in the past. There's no hope for the future because everything was wrong, and I'm going to stick and I'm going to sit there. Probably we've all been there at some point in our life. Uh, that, and, that or we're worried about the future. You know, and it's easy to be worried about the future. And there's so much in the future that can hurt you, but worrying doesn't change the future, so there's no use worrying about it even though it, it is easy to think about and do. You know, if you're self-employed and you're worried about making enough money to get through the month, or, or you don't have enough money coming in each month, or you know, all the different things that can happen. 
and all the things that can be a problem and bother to you. And God's saying, I, I'm in control. I'm the one that's going to take care of the future. You just deal with today. That's why I think I'm willing to be closer to Loretta because one reason why Loretta could, that's the one thing I am kind of afraid of is, I know God puts me, but growing old by myself, I said, if my brother can do it, I can do it. <laughs> and that's good. Every day, I don't need no man. No, nope. but, yeah, you're, not, but you're not by yourself. Well, you know, I need mean, flesh. Oh, right, touching. Just, yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. To yeah. be held, just yeah. to be. Yeah. And I don't need that. I used to really, really need that. Not very enough because you get too many problems. problems too many other problems involved with that it. The time to sacrifice that you must make. God, then look at Loretta. Man, I'm going to be like her. I'm going to have that hat to scarred, and I'm going to be like her. Mount your mama. <laughs> right. She's a good example. Yeah. Every morning, I would have said this bird, and I talk every morning. Nathan would be out there whistling, and I whistle, we just whistle back and forth. Every morning. He's whistling at that bird thing, Yeah. Lynn talks to birds and stuff, too, so. I talk to birds. I talk to bees. Get off the car before the owner starts charging you rent. <laughs> All right, verse 8. I would hasten my escape from the windy storms and the tempest. And this is, he's talking about storms here. He's talking about how bad things are going in his life. Uh, Destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues, for I have seen violence and strife in the city. So now he's going to God and say, God, I can't, I can't fly away. I can't get away. So you destroy. Basically saying, I'm going to hide in you. It's up to you now to defend. And David's been full of this all through the Psalms. God is our defense. He is our shelter. He is our strong tower. He is our buckler. If you remember what buckler is, that's the one that gives you the, the armor and holds the shield. God is our defender. He cares enough for us to be the one that protects us. He is our salvation. And we said it over and over again. If we want to be our own defender and our own salvation, God will stand there as a, as a tower in the background and say, okay, go to it, and we'll get beat up, and we'll get hurt, and eventually we will, re we will retreat to the strong tower but God is saying, I was there all along. I'm, I'm the one that can take the hurricane. I'm the one that can take the, the arrows. I'm the one that can take the shots, and I won't be hurt. And the key for us is to really understand that God is there. He wants to be our defender. He wants to. He doesn't look at us and say, oh, you're so weak, you can't defend yourself. He says, come on in. I, I want to be. I am your defender. God isn't going to criticize us because we're weak. Because he knows we're weak. You know, he knows that we're weak and he knows that we have problems. And it doesn't surprise him when we need defense. He does not surprise him when we are weak and run into him. He doesn't sit there and criticize and say, oh, you weakling, you, you needed help. He says, come on in. Come on in. I'm ready to be your defender. Because of his love. Because of his love. And this is where it is important when somebody is charged with being a defender, they do it because they either, either out of obligation or love, and it's better if it's out of love. And even when you think about medieval knights, most of them loved the sovereign king. They didn't, they didn't do it just because they were knights. They didn't do it just because, but they did it because they honored and loved the king. 
Otherwise, it wasn't worth going out to battle for the crazy guy. You know, they had a love for him. He, he honored them. He rewarded them. And they wrote, I'm going to go do what I can to defend him. And God is saying, I'm your defender. He is the husband. He says, it's my job to defend you. And that is, that is what it says even in the scriptures. It says the husband was to defend his family. They were the protector of their family within God. Within God. And what we're seeing nowadays is that there is no real defense out there for families. And, and it's really sad. And in this, David saying, God, you do it. You divide their tongues. You, you said, you, because I have seen the violence. I have seen the strife. And that is what the world is up to, strife and violence. And we're seeing it. The more people get away from God in our world, the more violent they're getting. The more strife, more strife they bring into every situation. It's crazy when you watch the news and you watch these, these public gatherings where people are just yelling at each other because crazy. nobody has any honor or respect for the others. There's protesters. There's people trying to cause strife and division. And it's so sad. And the violence. We've seen it in Ferguson. We've seen it in Baltimore. We've seen it in all these different places out there. The violence because people are getting so far away from the dignity of, that people have because they are created in God's image. And the further we get away from God's way of thinking about people, the more violence we're seeing, the more hostility we're seeing, the more strife we're seeing. And it's affecting small towns as, as much as big towns, and it's just out there. And it comes down to the flesh. If, there is, if, if I'm not trying to honor God and place God first, then the flesh is going to say, I am number one. And if I'm number one, nobody else can be number one. And I'm not going to give in to anybody else who wants to be, have their way because I am number one. And when I'm dependent upon God, putting myself in subjection to God, then I can say, okay, I may not get my way, but as long as God is glorified, then it's good. As long as God is glorified, it is good. And you know what? God will be glorified with just about anything that comes our way because he will turn all things for good. And that is why I love Romans 8.28. All things work together for good for those who are called according to the purpose of God. Not necessarily my good, but it is for good. And God will use it. And it's important for us to keep that in mind. Now, when somebody's in the middle of trouble, I've said this before, there's no way I'm going to tell them that all things work together for good when they're, when they're miserable and complaining about what they're going through. But they need to hear, but it's not comforting if they don't believe it. They've got to believe it before they get into the problem. Mm -hmm. If you tell them that when they're in the problem, they're going to look at you ready to smack you upside the head because it's no comfort. Even if their mind is saying, yes, I know it's true, if it's not believed when they're, before they're in it, strongly believed, it's of no comfort. It's the same thing as when a righteous person dies and you quote to them the, the psalm that... Pleasant in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Why? Because they've gone to heaven. But is that going to comfort somebody who's crying because their, their loved one just died? No, it's not going, to, not going to comfort them at all. They need to believe it beforehand, otherwise it doesn't make any comfort. When I was walking in the park, I went to Grand Canyon with my cousins. This group, I was walking up the hill with my cane, and this lady sent me the kid. Now look at that lady, how good she's walking with the cane. I laughed, and I said, oh, yes, God helped me when he broke my leg. 
And everything was said, oh my God, look at this lady walking with Cain. <laughs> I thought, do I look dumb? <laughs> so I thought, well, I'm going to really show that. You know, be careful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right, verse 10. Night and day they go about it on the walls thereof. Mischief also and sorrow are in the midst thereof. Again, David's talking about the wickedness. And he's using the cities as wickedness to, to illustrate wickedness. And it is true that when people are bunched together in cities and the more compacted they are in the cities, the more evil seems to dwell and, and come out. And David's saying, hey, night and day... The, the violent, the strife, or walking the walls, mischief and, and sorrow are also in the midst of the, midst of the city. And this is, this is what he's saying, you know, mischief. They bring mischief, and mischief happens when the wicked are around. And then sorrow comes from that all. Now, David's in a pretty low state in this, in this song. Verse 11, wickedness is in the midst thereof. Deceit and guile depart not from her streets. And again, when wicked are around, there's deceit and guile, abundant. And this is why we as Christians have to spend time with other Christians as often as possible. Because if we're living for Christ, we're going to be edifying one another. We're going to build each other up. We're going to love one another. We're not going to sit there and try to manipulate and cheat. Now, unfortunately, there are people in churches that want to try to do manipulation and cheating. But for the most part, it's a safe place for people to be. And you find out who it is that you can trust and you lean on them and you, and you, and you get their prayers and you, get, you just feel loved. And there's nothing better than getting that love. That's one of the reasons I go to College Park the first thing in the morning is just to feel that great love that they have for Lynn and I. After nine years of having been around there, they have a great love and it's just wonderful to just be loved. King men. Just, just to be loved. Nobody wants anything from me. Nobody's asking me you know, anything. You know, they have in the past. When I was a member there, I was, I was the one that went to. But it's just wonderful to feel that just outflowing of love. And it happens here, but it's just a little different there. I'm, I'm not pastor there. I'm, I, I'm Ralph. I'm, you know, and there's that love for me just because. Just because. Just because. And it is wonderful just to feel that. And I know we have that here. We have that love here that is just that comes upon people, and people feel it. And I hope you know what it means to feel that love that but just poured that out. Right, isn't that right too? Like for years, I always pray that I just pray that people would see the light of God. In yes. They, want, they see the light of God. In yeah. And I want to live. I want to live in a godly manner. I want people to follow me, as as Paul will say, follow me as I follow Christ. You know, and try to get into the Word, teach people, help them, help them not walk down the, the narrow, the, the broad path that leads to destruction, you know, because there's so many decisions we can make that aren't godly, aren't biblical decisions, and we all make many of them every day that are wrong decisions. And my goal is to get enough doctrine in us so that we are able to walk that narrow path that says, I'm going to live different. I want to live for Christ. And I want to be that example as much as possible. Be that example. And, and be loving when I speak to people. Be kind when I speak to people. And you know what? And I know that I'm just like everybody else. People are hard to love sometimes. <laughs> you know, we say the wrong things. We do the wrong things. We, we, we may be mean at times to people. And we may or may not mean it when we do it. But people are hard to love. 
Always. And it's only, we can love each other greatly only because of the love of God. Only because of God's love flowing out of us is why we can love. And truly love. And properly love. And that is what God is saying. I want to love through you. I want to be the one that expresses that love. And it's hard. It is hard sometimes just to love. But the closer we are with God, the more his love will flow out of us. And the more people will be drawn to God because his love is pouring out. In 1 John it says, we love him because he first loved us. We would not love God if it wasn't for his love. He sent Jesus to die for our sins because he loved us. Unless you're being called by the Holy Spirit, you know, it took me many, 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 You've got two choices. You're out on your own. You do what you want to do. You can go to church. There's a revival in town. Or you can go down there. They're having a party unreal and having a blast. I don't know how to tell you all this. I would went down there and had a party and a blast. But they're having, the revival is a party. But and today, I have learned something. How hard was it for God to keep the truck that slammed through the fence, hit the house and the concrete steps, and come close enough that the steam from the radiator burned my legs. How hard was it for him to keep that truck from smashing me? For him, not hard at all. <laughs> no, but we put God in situations, predicaments, and we assume he's God in him. Uh, my son said one time, and because I'm who I am with the emotions that I have in Christ today, I felt more, I think, of what he said than he did. Mama, he was sitting on the throne, kind of slumped over, not slumped over, just sad. And he said, till you've heard the sound of God Almighty crying, you've never heard it here. You've never heard a song. And I've never been able to forget it. Is he sitting up there crying all the time? Ralph, is he sitting up there crying all the time? I don't think so. I don't think so either. But I believe we heard him bad enough. The world hurts him bad enough. Like when those 12 men were, you know, I think he's done his crying already for us and then Jesus has lived salvation because you've got to remember one thing about God is he lives outside of time. Right. Outside of our time. Now, the Bible seems to indicate that there's time in heaven, but it's not the same That's what we, what, what we experience uh, because he's in a different dimension. He's outside of our time. When God looks down at this world, he sees it as complete. He's looking down, and here's, here's Adam and Eve, and here's Armageddon, and he's looking down and saying, okay, I see everything. It's done. So when God gives a prophecy to us, it's not a guess. It's not a if maybe, if everybody does what it does. It says, he looks down and says, this is what happened. It, this is what happened. Get that past tense in there. He already looked at it and says, it's done. And I've said this before, because of God, it's who he is. He is omnipresent he is the only one who is everywhere and every time at the same time That's he is amazing. 
He is with Adam and Eve now. He is with Armageddon now. And he is with us yeah. now. Because he is I am. He is everything. He sees time totally different than we do. And he's omnipresent in time as well as space. As you know, we know that's it. really neat because I always, when they say I am, you know, I knew that, but I couldn't really understand it. But now I really do think you just pointed that out. Mm -hmm. I am everywhere. I, I am everything. Yeah. I am everything. I'd be I careful with the everything. everything. I am everywhere and every time. This is true. He's not He's not everything. Can I say something that uh, I'm grabbing you in here? For those of you who weren't here Friday, <laughs> seriously, uh, I am joking. I wish everybody had been here Friday. But in the very end of the movie, the man whose father invented the point of the movie, or the tool of the point of the movie, the time machine, had a, had a choice. And he already told the other guy, don't touch it. Don't know your future. Don't. According to what Ralph is teaching, and I believe word for word what he's saying, according to this book, not because Ralph said it. That's true. There is a time machine. It's God. Because he's here, he's here, he's here, he's here, he's here, he's all over. So he already knows. What would you do if you knew your story? Would you live your life differently? Of course you would. Does he want you to live your life differently? <laughs> I don't know the answer to that question. Only God and you know the answer to that question. But if he wanted us to know the future, he would either be the prophet in our life or send a prophet to us to tell us to jack, to get us. There are different things that are involved here. Yep. And that me. is happening because I'll tell you a couple days ago I was moving, you know, and I'm fearful. And days go by now and I lay in bed at night and there's no evil in my ear. And um, God calmed me. And I have much peace, and we're okay. We're not in fear. And that's and that's really the true blessing of God is the the fruit of the spirit is love, and is expressed with love by joy and peace. And, and the greatest the greatest thing that God does for us is He gives us peace. He gives us joy. Peace surpasses all understanding. When, when, it, when people look at you and say, how can you be peaceful with all of what's going on around you? And because, because God is in control. Yeah, because I'm a child. The more we realize that God is in control, the more peace we can have in every situation. Because nothing is going to come to me that God did not know was going to happen. The word you will never hear from God saying is, I didn't know that was going to happen. <laughs> or, how did that happen? No, we're never going to hear those words from God. Boy, have you surprised me. <laughs> yeah. We're never going to hear anything like that because he knows everything. He knows all of our shames. And he knew them on the cross. And he said, I'm going for you anyway. And he knows all the hardship that's going to come our way. He knows all the pain that's going to come our way. 
And he's got a use for whatever that pain is, whatever that need is that's going to come our way. He has a use for it. And there was a song on the Christian radio that used to play a line that says that God has basically says that talking about making a tapestry and he says the dark things are needed in a picture. Okay, if you do not put dark shadows in a picture, you will have a pretty lousy picture. It, the dark is needed for the perfect picture. And we look at it from the backside of the picture is how the story, how the story went. We look at all the little knots and, and everything go together and we see a mess. If you've ever looked at the back of a, of a, of a quilt, of, um, tapestry or, or the knitted, knitted needle point or anything, the back looks terrible. Mine looks awful. The back always ends up looking awful. And if all you did was look at the back of it, you'd say, what is this mess? But you flip it around, and now you got the, if, if you've done the job right, <laughs> a beautiful picture that is, looks right when it's seen from the right perspective. I love that. And Thank you. For us, we're usually looking at our life from the wrong perspective. We're looking at it from the backside. When we look at our life from heaven's perspective and see the great picture that God put together of our life, we're going to go, oh. That's why you did all of this stuff. That's why you allowed this to happen. Then explain her tapestry. It's not fair. My tapestry looks like knots everywhere on the back side. Hers looks just like the front side. How do you, how do you know? You're not walking in her shoes? No, her tapestries. You, you, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, her real tapestry, okay. All right, her real tapestry, okay. <laughs> okay, verse 12. Now we're going to see we're going to see part of why David's upset about this. For it was not an enemy that reproached me, then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me, then I would have hid myself from it. But it was you, a man, my equal, my guide, and my accountants acquaintance we took sweet counsel together and walked into the house of the Lord in company the ones that hurt us most are those that we think are the closest to us and I've said this over and over it's pretty easy for us you know it's pretty much easy for any of us to kind of ignore the lost world you know, we, we expect them to be mean we expect them to be nasty uh, certain ones in our family that you know that are you know the black sheeps in the family that you know we just know they're going to be mean and nasty the ones that hurt us is when somebody turns against us that we thought was a friend, that we thought was a good acquaintance, that was giving us counsel. And this is, this is Paul, uh, David thinking of Saul. Saul was, David considered Saul a friend for a long time. He, he went in, he played music, almost a father figure. He was being brought into the, into the castle, you know, being, 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 eating at the king's table, being brought, reared up to be in charge of armies. And then all of a sudden, because of the jealousy that Saul had, he turned against David. The ones that so, hurt. I'm sorry. Huh? Was he so sure of Jonathan? Who? Saul, because he just automatically took David in to train him. As was he that sure of Jonathan? Because Jonathan and Saul were like this. Yeah, and I mean, he loved David. David, David came in. Think of all the things David did. They're having trouble with a giant and everybody's in fear. David comes along and says, hey, God will kill this giant. I can kill this giant through God's power. He sends him out and David delivers him from Goliath. Okay, 
Now, this is going to be, this is, that probably was actually twofold. He's loving David for rescuing him. Stupid song. But it's also this idea of, well, that song didn't develop at that point. But there's also, here's this little, little young teenager, a lad, that's able to come in here and depend so much on God that he's able to kill a giant. He's standing there in Saul's armor saying, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's a great love for him, and then there's a great, probably, conviction. Because David comes in, and David's language is, God will deliver. And because I'm following this God, I can, he will deliver him into my hand. Saul's probably thinking, why didn't I think that way? Okay, why don't I have that much faith? Ooh, that could have been the beginning of the jealousy. Well, it was the very beginning... The big part was when they started singing the song. But have you ever been to the place where you, where you see somebody that so represents God that you simultaneously, you're, you're very proud that you know them because they're so, so strong with God, but their, their, their strength and their, of their conviction convicts you. Why, why can't I be there? Yeah, like that man there? today. He's so beautiful. And then to hear his testimony. He's so beautiful because he's so loving and so clean mm -hmm. and it's from here all the way out and he's only 40 years old. I, I've got 32 years on him. Where's mine? <laughs> but it's with his responses to his life. Verse 15, let death seize upon them and let them go down quickly into hell for wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. And this is, this is very precatory. David is very, David has a lot of venom in some of his prayers and psalms that God basically says, God, go get them. God, they deserve hell. Send them there. David does not have a lot of love for enemies. Yeah, but God, that's not the way God wants us to think. No. He, he wants us to have compassion even for the enemy. And, it, and it, there may be a time when God, God needs to be let loose on people and, and he will let loose on people, but I'm not going to be the one to try to ask for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I've shared with you, I've seen people get totally smashed by God for things that they have done. And it breaks my heart, even, yeah. though even though it's me that they've attacked, it breaks my heart that they've suffered. Because I want them to be in Christ. I want them to be in heaven. I don't want to see them destroyed. I don't want to see anybody headed to hell because of their life. Because it's not, hell is so bad. If you want somebody to go to hell, you don't understand how bad hell is. Because there's no way you'd want somebody to be there. And I don't care who it is. I've, I've shared with people, I, I suffer from gout quite often, and I wouldn't wish gout pain on my worst enemy. So there's no way I'm going to wish hell upon anybody. Because I don't want to see people hurt. And it's taken God a long time to get me to this point. <laughs> I was, in my 20s and my early 30s, I was like, David, God, get them. <laughs> Go get them, God. They deserve it. I did that one time, and the, uh, the, a year almost to the day or to the day later, the man that did what he did to our family at Christmas was killed in a car wreck, and he was... I got to tell you that I wasn't a bit delighted about it. Yeah. In fact, I wanted to throw... I may have thrown it up. It's, it's hard. It's hard when you see that happen. It's hard when you see God judge somebody when they've reached the end of the rope and he judges them. That's why it's so easy to listen and pay attention. The vengeance is mine, not yours. 
sometimes it's really, really hard because you got to watch God drop things and sometimes you have to hit rock bottom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I know that sometimes that's what they need. Yeah. My oldest son, when we was kicked out of the house, he needed to hit rock bottom so that he could turn back to God. And sometimes we protect those that we love, especially our children and grandchildren, to the point of, God, you can't do it. I'm going to stop you from, from getting them to rock bottom. I'm going to pay their fines. I'm going to you know, bail them out of jail. I'm going to allow them to come back home and live with me rather than hit bottom. And we need to really pray about that because sometimes what they need to do is be on skid row, be, be in danger of their life because of the way they're treating people. Is that true all the time? I don't know that it's true all the time, but we need to be sensitive to God as to what he wants in their life. When they were taken captive, either Israel or Judah, Edom, sit back, Edom, Edom uh, wait a minute, who's Esau's descendants? Aren't they Edomites? Mm -hmm. It's one of them, yeah. They made fun of them, said, you're finally getting your own due. Let's see how God acts in your life. They just made all kinds. And God made it abundantly clear, and that's why you're not a nation anymore. And they weren't with him for a short time and never had him again. Yeah. And if he had, then he would have been judged for touching Saul. Well, aren't they all anointed, saved or not? No, no. So the unsaved are not anointed? Not necessarily, very, probably not. And, but and you I still want to be careful when, God, when you're dealing with God's people, you want to be very careful because God does not take it lightly. And when, when you touch one of his children, it's bad enough. When you, when you say, well, they're getting what they deserve and, you know, and I'm not going to love them because they're just not lo lovable or whatever, God's not going to take that lightly. If you actively seek to destroy them in some way, God's not going to take that lightly. And if you go after somebody who's an authority that God's put in place, you're really asking it for it because God says they're worthy of double honor. And if you touch them, then you're worthy of double judgment. And it's serious. I had a friend who was talking, you know, in, in, a, in a church who always criticized the pastor. Always. Oh, crap. And this pastor was a nice pastor. He preached a good message. And, and I, I really wouldn't let him talk to me about what his problems were with the pastor because I'd tell him, you need to talk to the pastor, not everybody else. And I'd go, if you don't stop this, you're going to have trouble from God. And then we watched the man lose his family through a divorce. Two of his sons were killed. His health disappeared. His wife left him and, and his other son got deadly sick and then God took his life. Now a lot of people will say that was a coincidence. I think he got heavy judgment and once it's, and the problem with it is because he was the father and the head of his house, his house also had problems. This is the problem with being a leader in, in anything, whether it's a husband, a pastor, a, in government, those that you are over will suffer if you do wrong. David had sins that cost people in Israel their lives because of his sin. And we see it over and over. If you remember in the story of, of um, Korah, the Korah rebellion where they stood up against Moses and God swallowed Korah and his whole family 
into the ground. And their friends that followed. And, and a number of the friends that followed. You know, they just, the ground opened, they disappeared, and it was done. That fast. Amen. Because Korah criticized God's anointed leader. And his family was judged because of it. Now, that probably meant that they were in, 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 you know, implicit in the whole, whole scheme and well, in agreement. Then, but I'm sorry, but didn't God said everybody that believes like Korah does, that Moses have them stand right there? Well, he said stand away from him. And he said, do them and they didn't. Stand away from him. And then the rest of the camp got to watch as the ground split and shut, and they were gone. Kids yeah. and all. And this is so critical for us to understand. God wants us to love one another well enough that we're going to help them out. When things go wrong, we want to help them out. Because God's judgments are always to bring people back to him. When we read the book of Revelation and all of the trials and troubles that are being poured out upon the people, it is not because God's mad at them and trying to make them feel terrible. It's to say, come back to me. Come back, come back, come back. But what happens if you keep trying to help them in? They're just getting worse. And so things do happen to them because they're not... Then you I just mean, pray. You, you, you pray and you say, God, you know, if there's any way I can help the family, you help the family. Uh, because the ultimate God takes them home. Or takes them to hell, whichever, either home or hell. Because if you're a bad enough example of Christianity, he's going to take you home too because he's not going to have his name drugged through the mud constantly. But... If you're going to rebel against him and you're not saved, you're going to have trouble as well, too. And, you, and he's going to, his whole purpose of the trouble is to draw you to him. Every time you look, if you look through uh, ju uh, Judges and, and First and Second Samuel and, and the Kings, and you watch how God tries to get the people's attention, to draw them to him. Everything was to draw them to him. And whether it was by famine or by pestilence or by invasion or even captivity. God's purpose in the captivity of Israel and, and Judah was to bring them back closer to him. And it worked. They came back to him. And then he sent them back into their land. And then they did what was right in their own eyes and got sent back out of their land. And God's brought them back into their land in our day. And right now, they're not following God pretty much. They're a very, Israel right now is a very atheistic country. And it's a very strange company because, country because they still follow the laws of Moses, That's though they don't believe them. That's what one man asked this young girl that was in the military. I think I'm getting it right. Something about being being Jewish and Christian. Something about being Jewish and Christian. And she said, no, I can't do that. I can't do that. He said, why not? You either believe and need this, or you don't believe. But, it, but it's a very interesting country. You can't do anything on the Sabbath, even though they're mostly atheistic, and they're not, you know, you can't do anything on the Sabbath, and you can't, you know, and you, you know, as far as kosher stuff, it's pretty much orthodox still over there, but, you know, they still have problems. You, in most of the Jewish restaurants, you can't order a cheeseburger. Is the Sabbath Friday night to Saturday night? Saturday, Saturday night to Saturday, uh, Friday night to Saturday night. The Jewish day starts at, at evening. And ends at well, actually sunrise and sun, uh, sun uh, sunset to sunset. You know, we we kind of say six because generally the sun, but like right now in the summer, Sabbath would start seven thirty eight o'clock, whatever time the sun actually is going down now, 
and then it would go until the next day. And to respect the Sabbath, it's no worse. Right. God says that we are to honor the Sabbath, and that's, you know, this is what he said right from the beginning. It is a day of rest, and, but we've got to understand we are no longer under the law because Jesus fulfilled the law, and he is saying that we are to be at rest all the time. We live in faith rest now. We don't live in a rest of mandatory physical rest. Now, we need rest. Don't get me wrong. We need rest. And, and our uh, psychology and sociology is caught up and says, you need time to just do nothing. There was nothing more beautiful or refreshing than just to lay around all the, uh, when I married my second husband, I had a son. But just to lay around all Sunday, wrestling with him, reading the paper, enjoying each other, resting in one another. Mm -hmm. And God saying, take one day a week and do that with me. Me, God. Am I right, finally? Yep, you're right. Oh my goodness, that's and that's what he's wanting. He wants us. He wants us just to rest in him. And this rest is important because our body needs rest. We cannot live in a stressed situation. Uh, and people who are workaholics eventually will burn themselves out if they don't find a way to rest. They may enjoy it, they may even thrive on it for a decade or so, but eventually the body is going to say, I don't care how much fun you're having at this. You have got to rest. You've got to stop. And I swear I like uh, Bill Tackett's view when we did uh, exper uh, uh, the yeah. Truth Project. He says, the Sabbath was a day to quit playing and just focus on God. Because if you were working on something that you really enjoy, it is almost at play. And I hope you've been in a place where you've worked and you enjoy it enough that it really is play. And I've had a number of jobs that I love that much. And it was just fun. Yeah, it was stressful at times, and yes, it was hard, but it was also fun to be doing it. My mom worked as a cook for 30-plus years. She said she never spent a day at work in her life. Because she was doing something that she enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And when you're at that place, then Sabbath becomes even more critical because God's saying, I want you just to slow down and concentrate on me for a while. Quit creating, quit playing one day a week and focus on him. And that's important, and, you know, is it the Sabbath? If it's a Sabbath and you can rest on Saturday, be my guest and do that. You know, uh, most, most Christians take Sunday as their day off. Uh, being a pastor, Sunday is not a day off for me in any way, stretch, or form. Uh, Monday basically is my day that I literally do practically nothing. I read my Bible in the morning, I say my prayers, and then I do whatever I want to do on Monday. And just, just relax. And... We need that time to just give ourselves permission to just relax and be quiet. Just, I don't have anything I need to do. I'm just going to do what I want to do this day. Focus on God a little bit. Say some prayers. We get into his word. But just relax and say, I'm resting. Pastor Dennis has a site room in his house. Uh, I've not seen it, never been near it, but... <laughs> he not won't get invited in either. I wonder why. There's, there's no phone in there. He needs his cell phone out. And when he goes in that room, it's 
just with it's it's his study. study it's his study room yeah but it's quiet you can't he can't hear you in there my mom when she was alive when i was younger i hate to say this her quiet room was the bathroom uh, most mothers <laughs> she made none of us did knock on the door this is my quiet time i'm reading my daily bread and stuff do not bother I've yeah. heard, I've had friends more than one that said that the toilet was their altar and they got well proud of rugs to put in front of it. Amen. <laughs> Pray to the poor All people. right. <laughs> no, hopefully you're praying to God when you do that. I know. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and close in prayer and then we can talk. Lord, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for your word. We ask that you help us to really focus on you being our defense, that we will look to you as our, as our protector, as our leader, that we will learn to hear your word, that we will learn to be obedient to you in all that we do. Lord, we ask that you constantly keep our flesh crucified and you working through our, through our lives. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.